Welcome to another edition of Perspectives from Rothschild Co. My name is Laura Kuhnlen, and for today's edition, I'm joined by Dr. Carlos Mejia, Chief Investment Officer at Rothschild Co. Bank AG. So, Carlos, welcome to Perspectives. You're actually the first CEO we're hosting, so I'm excited about this conversation and delighted to be here with you. Hi, good morning. Thanks very much for the invitation. <laughs> I think we need to step back a little to understand your journey. You studied mathematical statistics and probability at the Universidad Nacional Autónoma de México. I did. And you did your master's degree in financial mathematics at the University of Warwick, where you also obtained your PhD. So I was just wondering, Carlos, could you count before you could spell your name? <laughs> I, I wish I could say yes and, and, and sound very intelligent, but no, no. I mean, to be absolutely honest, I think that I was a very average student. I wasn't interested in mathematics until very late. I think run around when I was a teenager. Before that, I was a plain vanilla, normal boy. <laughs> well, let's turn back to your studies. How did your upbringing possibly set you up for your subsequent journey? And how did Switzerland come about? Well, um, interesting question. Never really thought about it. Uh, let me think. A lot of people think that I did mathematics because I was very good with numbers. And I don't think that's true. So people who study mathematics very quickly realize that it's not about counting very fast and doing very fast operations and being very sophisticated. It's a lot more about abstraction. So getting the reality abstract the most from it, manipulated it, and then bring the, the, the answer back to, to, to what we call reality. That was actually very useful because it learned me not to take anything for, anything for granted. I, I question everything all of the time. Sometimes I'm a little bit of a pain because I keep on asking questions to make sure that I understand the basics until I grasp what I think is necessary. I process it and go, go forward. Um, I think that having done a PhD in mathematics also helped me to be, to be very resourceful. Uh, I need to get to the point where I um, need to push the boundaries of science. And there are very few people who can um, help me with the, the problems that I was solving, which means that I needed to, to be very resilient, very disciplined. Um, and, and I think that has helped me quite a lot in the journey to, to, towards where I am today, because you need a lot of resilience, a lot of resourcefulness, you need a lot of patience, a lot of discipline to be where we are today. And were you always drawn towards the finance sector then, or was it simply serendipity that made you choose it? No, to be honest, when I was a bit younger, I was a lot more interested um, in literature. I was very interested. I wanted to study languages, oh, wow. but I was really awful at it. Uh, back in Mexico, where I grew up, everybody speaks Spanish and speaking a foreign language is not really necessary. And, and I was really bad at it. Um, so I did wanted to, to learn a little bit more. I was always curious about foreign cultures and I think the different language would have helped me. What happened was that, as I said, around my teenager, um, I realized that somehow I found it a little easier than my friends to, to solve mathematical problems. The teachers were very happy. They were giving me more difficult problems. And then one thing took, took me to the other one. And then I realized that if I wanted to study, I needed to be different. Uh, competition in Mexico City, where I grew up, is, is very fierce. You need to compete for everything, including education. And I realized that if I went into a discipline where there was pretty much no competition, I had a really high chance of success. 
which which is what I did. Um, so it, it was it was a little bit more a combination of of, of a realization that that it, I was a little bit more gifted than my friends. But it's not that I was interested from the very beginning. I wish I wish that was the case. Well, I hope you're still friends with them, anyways. Still, yes, <laughs> very much so, yes. Let's talk about Rothschild a bit. In Switzerland, we are currently managing 20 billion US dollars of assets under management, and we've been growing quite a bit over the last couple of years. Obviously, with size comes complexity and challenges to a company's culture. You've been with the bank for a long time now. So how has it dealt with this enormous growth whilst retaining the culture that has clearly helped it prosper? Yes, I think that we are very fortunate that um, the Rothschild brand, the Rothschild culture is already very strong. And a lot of people are drawn to this culture. A lot of people are already very coming very eager to learn about the culture. But but you're right, we needed to be very careful about how we did the grow, the growth, because um, in addition to increasing the assets, we increased the number of people, the number of teams, not just in Switzerland. We increased in Germany. Uh, we opened location, new locations around the world. We acquired a bank. And it's very easy to, to lose that, that drive, that entrepreneurship, that family uh, values of the bank. So we, uh, we were very conscious about that. Uh, what we did is when, whenever we opened new offices, we sent ambassadors who knew the bank very well, who knew how everything worked, who had that connection, that culture, and they were the ambassadors taking it uh, abroad. When we bought um, on board the new teams or, or bought a bank, we also made the effort to integrate as quickly as possible. And also we did it uh, in a way that before we took the decision, we um, tried to analyze whether it would be a good match. So we didn't want to grow for the sake of growing. It was, it was very conscious. Um, in fact, we did turn down a few teams and, and, and a few clients that were not in line with the values of the bank. So I think it was discipline and consciousness, to be honest. And how do you perceive the current market climate and, and where do you see opportunities? It's a very interesting question. I mean, from the very beginning of the year, we've been a little bit more positive than, than everybody else. Uh, there's been a lot of discussions about you know, inflation being very high, central banks uh, keeping interest rates for very high very for a very long period of time. Economies going into a recession, artificial intelligence, and whatever you look at it, there is headlines about uh, geopolitical issues. Throughout this time, we've been a lot more constructive than the majority of people out there. Um, I think that up until now, we've been right. Uh, we did envision that inflation coming down, uh, which has been coming down. But we also said it's not going to come down to the levels that the central banks want uh, sustainable between two and two and a half percent. That inflation is going to stay a little bit higher, um, especially because some of the factors that that push that inflation higher, some of them have been removed, like the restrictions that we had in COVID, for example, um, all of the um, issues that that we have with global trade. Um, but but we do think that. Um, that, that inflation, as, as I said, is probably going to stay a little bit higher for longer. Nevertheless, we do think, unlike other, other people, that uh, rates are going to remain relatively high uh, over the foreseeable future. And the reason is that the central banks are, again, acting in a coordinated manner, trying to sort out 
the issues that they had to create to save the economy from going into a, an even more horrible scenario than we had during the, the global financial crisis. So the central banks need the excess liquidity to come out. We do think that that's a good thing, that the economy is going to start recovering, going back to what, what we know. It's going to feel a little bit less comfortable than we would want to have. But but we do think that despite that, there is still uh, value both on equities and bonds to, to own. We do think that the economy is going to remain relatively stable. It will withstand the higher interest rates. We don't see any signs of a sustained deep recession. Uh, we may have blips from time to time, which is perfectly normal in a period of recovery like we have. But again, I think that if if our clients want to beat inflation, they need to have a combination of both equities and bonds. Coming back to your actual job, what is it that you enjoy most about it? Well, um, it's what do I like the, the, the most? I think... Like like everything, there is no one thing. It is it is a combination of of um, of things. The, I suppose that the very first one is that it's very intellectual. It helps me to to keep my my mind alive. I keep on learning new things all of the time. Um, whether it's about new financial instruments, whether it's about regulation, uh, whether it's um, a, a, about you know new businesses that I haven't been exposed to. Uh, I think that I find that that very appealing. The contact with with people I find very stimulating as well. Whether they are people in the company uh, that we get people from different ages, backgrounds, uh, I, I get to learn a lot from all of them. The clients that we have as well, uh, they are either very established wealth owners or new entrepreneurs. There is always something very interesting to to talk about them. Um, I think I enjoyed that. Uh, the, 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 this is one of the few places where uh, I have learned that there is no such a thing as the company, the bank, um, and that that the, that that entity, that fictitious entity, is going to come and, and provide. I think this is the first time where where this place has taught me that that we are the bank. We take the decisions. We provide the service. We organize. We decide on the processes. And therefore, we have the ability to to change and make make everything better. So ha having that that combination of the intellectual challenge, the people, the continuous learning, the diversity of the job, plus again being able to 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 change Rothschild um, with that amazing brand, it, it's something that I absolutely love. <laughs> Great. Let's talk a little bit about the private, Carlos. Um, I understand you've set yourself the goal to run the six biggest marathons worldwide. Yes, can you believe that? <laughs> How many have you completed so far and what motivates you to pursue this? Well, um, yes, there are six uh, major marathons in the world. I have completed five so far. I've done New York, Chicago, Boston, London and Berlin. So fingers crossed, I want to run Tokyo next year to complete my six majors. What motivated me at the very beginning, I suppose that it was a combination of factors, including wanting to do a little bit something for myself. I, I came to this point in my life when I had realized that I had spent an awful lot of amount of my time for somebody else, for the company, for the clients, for my family, for my children, for my friends. And, and uh, I, I thought that I wanted to do something for myself. 
So running was quite interesting at the beginning. It was fun until somebody put me a challenge to run a marathon. Uh, I accepted the challenge and I hated every single day of the preparation. I was awful. I sucked at running. But when I run New York in 2019, that was the first of the marathons, it was such an amazing experience. Um, I, I, I felt alive and I wanted to experience that again. And what happened when I started preparing for the next marathon is that because I had in a, a much better shape, uh, fitness, I, I started enjoying. And then I got to the point where I was out there just thinking about everything the first 15 minutes, 20 minutes, and then thinking about nothing. Being out there under the sun, under the rain, you know, by the lake, on the forest. And I love this, this feeling of being alive, being with myself. And then one thing took to the other. I did a second one. And when I did a third one, I said, well, I may as well do all six. So that's that's it. So one more marathon. And then I, I'll rethink my marathon uh, I'll come up career. With, I'll come up with a new sport. Maybe. <laughs> There's one question I post to everyone on this podcast, which is, if you could offer a single piece of advice to your younger self, what would it be? A single piece of advice to myself. Um, growing up, I always grew around people who told me, you need to know what you want to do with your life. And I was always very stressed because I never knew what I wanted to do with my life. I was um, very curious about these people who knew and, and they were very disciplined and they were fighting for that. And I was frustrated that I didn't, I didn't know what I wanted. So I think that if I could go back, I could tell myself, don't worry, you don't need to know what you want. What you need is, is to know what you do not want. You need to be absolutely clear about what you don't want. Walk away from that and keep your options open. So there are a lot of those out there. There are a lot of windows out there that will take you to places that you don't imagine. Great. That's an amazing answer. And so, Carlos, there are actually three things I'm taking away from today's conversation. Yes. And the importance of stepping out of your comfort zone staying alert for opportunities and seizing them when they come your way. Yes. We've yet to delve into one of your many other hidden talents, um, namely your salsa skills. <laughs> <laughs> but I suggest we save them for another recording. We do a video of that. <laughs> Thank you very much and muchas gracias Thank for you, your Ra. time today. Gracias a ti. If you want to find out more about the topics discussed in this episode, please go on www.rothschildandco.com forward slash insights. Thank you for listening. Please note, this audio content is produced by Rothschild & Co. for information purposes only, and any reliance on the information provided in it is done at your own risk. This content should only be used or reproduced with the express written permission of Rothschild & Co. The podcast is not provided as a solicitation, recommendation, or invitation to buy or sell any security, fund, or any other banking or investment product. Nothing in this podcast constitutes advice of any sort, and no responsibility is accepted in relation to the fairness or accuracy of it. The value of investments and the income from them can go down as well as up, and you may not recover the amount of your original investment. Past performance should not be taken as a guide to future performance.